you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Most of the TV viewing in my house is guided by my children's preferences. Uh, I, I don't often get to watch the shows I like. Uh, it, it's usually something that they delight in. There's this new show on Netflix, Grizzly and the Lemmings, where they literally have zero dialogue. It's just like physical comedy the whole time. Uh, we, we watched uh, Raya and the Last Dragon yesterday, beautiful little Netflix thing. Uh, We've watched more Paw Patrol in my life than I care to ever admit, but we have a favorite, and we're seven years late to the party, so forgive us, but Frozen is the new favorite in our home. Frozen, and most of you have seen this, most of you heard this, but for those of you who hadn't, it's the beautiful tale of the royal family of Arendelle, this king and queen and their two daughters, the eldest Elsa and the youngest Anna. Elsa has these magical powers that let her like burst forth ice and snow from her, from her very being. And, and it's really cool. We see them as kids playing together and uh, creating slides out of ice. And you just, oh, this is wonderful. Until she harms her sister. She uh, accidentally ices her sister's head and, and causes this problem. And, and as you do when you're hurt by your sister's magical powers, your, people, your parents take you to the woods, to the trolls. Right? This is clearly uh, normal practice in Arendelle. They, they go to the trolls, and the trolls uh, heal Anna. They, uh, they offer her this blessing, and she is made well. And they say, look, it's a good thing that Elsa hurt her head. If her heart had been hurt, there's nothing we could have done. Uh, the king and the queen realize the danger that, uh, that their daughter is, is put her other daughter in, that she can put other people in, and said, we're going to be careful. And so she's now isolated in this own room. Uh, this family draws away from all their public duties. They hide and, uh, and live this lonely life. Uh, we, we don't spend too long on this lonely time. We, we hear one beautiful song about, do you want to build a snowman? That's just a tearjerker, right? Like, both these daughters are terribly sad that they're alone. Uh, but then in the next phase, their parents uh, go out on a voyage and die. And so it's just the two of them left, and, and they live in this isolation in this grand castle. And then ultimately, uh, Elsa comes of age. And it's time for her to be crowned queen of Arendelle. Uh, she is reluctant, but she knows she has to do this. She has to go to this public event and, and perform these duties. And she goes with her, her long gloves on to ho- hopefully avoid uh, icing anybody or anything bad happening. And, and we make it sort of through holding things together and then... Uh, the little sister does as little sisters do and gets on her big sister's nerves at just the wrong time. She asks for something crazy. I want to marry this prince that I just met today. Uh, will you bless us? Now, my parents married three months today after they, got, after they met, but let's get married the first day is a bit extreme. So Elsa's emotions rage hard. Anna grabs her arm, and ultimately Elsa unleashes her power and unknowingly striking her sister's heart. Elsa runs off into the woods with the title track playing Let It Go, where she goes out and builds her own ice kingdom, and she's finally able to just be who she is, unknown that she has mortally wounded her sister. 
She goes off to find Elsa. Anna is, Anna is, is hopeful that she can go find her and fix things because uh, Elsa has created an eternal winter that is raining across the land and, and things are bad. Uh, we, we meet a cast of characters along the way, a, uh, an ice harvester named Kristoff, a, uh, a special little reindeer called Sven, and a, uh, a snowman named Olaf who is excited about the summer. This is, this is a cast of characters to be met, and they begin to journey with Anna to find Elsa. They eventually find her and, and go and present, hey, this is, this is our problem There's an eternal winter. Things are bad. She begins to kind of uh, rage, leave me alone, let me be here. And then this is actually when she hurts Anna, right? I got it, got it wrong, got it early. This is when she hurts Anna. I'm trying to tell you this movie, I've seen a bunch. Uh, it, it's that good. Um, and so she flees from the building. There, there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope. And so Kristoff takes her to the trolls. That's what you do, Right? They go to the trolls and, and we find there that because it's her heart, the only thing that can save her is true love, an act of true love. And, and we're supposed to try to figure out what that means. Uh, she thinks this means we need to get back to Arendelle and let me be loved by Prince Hans, this man we met this day, right? This, this is true love. Uh, we're rooting for Kristoff, the uh, lovable but slightly weird ice harvester who talks to reindeers and uh, if, you, if you listen to the song about um, being a fixer-upper, he does all kinds of weird things. They ultimately go back to the kingdom. She goes to Prince Hans, and he makes it clear that he never loved her. He was just trying to get his own kingdom. He locks them up. He leaves her for dead. And the snowman begins to save the day. <laughs> he delivers her out. She goes out. Elsa comes back uh, from where she's been held captive. We see Anna freeze to death, and we lose hope. We, we see Elsa in the midst of everything that's dangerous for her, these people who want to kill her, who want to, to stop her from harming anybody else. She goes and puts herself in more danger. She should have just fled, but she goes to Anna, and she weeps. She makes herself completely vulnerable and offers herself up. And this becomes the true love moment where uh, Anna begins to melt. The eternal winter begins to fade away. The waters begin to burst forth. Life comes out. And it's because Elsa loved her sister enough to go even as far as what should have been her destruction. Sean Gladding says that the world loves to tell our story. Uh, Frozen tells the story of someone going all the way to death's door for the love of others. Of, of saying, this isn't right, and it's scary, and it's, and it's not good, but I'm going to go. And ultimately, uh, as these stories do, it ends up beautiful and flourishing, and things are good in Arendelle. Today's gospel text is about someone uh, going all the way to the place of death. It's the story of Jesus uh, in John's gospel in this third Passover feast this uh, kind of pivotal moment between his public ministry and his final days with his disciples, this moment where he's coming off of kind of like the, uh, the ending days of the campaign, right, the Messiah campaign. He has healed Lazarus, and people are like, oh, if we didn't believe it when we saw the, the, he the healings and the, the water into wine, when we, when we raised Lazarus from the dead, okay, something is going on here. 
And the crowds begin to follow even greater. He is, he's coming to the city uh, triumphantly on the back of this donkey. People are still confused but declaring, look at him. We've got these Greek God-fearing people coming to, to Philip saying, we, we want to know about him. And Jesus does as Jesus does and says, what is going to happen is I'm going to lay down my life. Like this grain of wheat that has to fall as a dead thing on the ground, a thing that has no life to it, a thing that is easily just blown away, but that when planted and watered and tended, brings forth bounty. See, I'm going to give up my own life for you and for the sake of the world to bring light into darkness, to set things right through self-sacrificial love. I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. I'm going to invite you to deny yourself, to, to love others, to, the text says, hate your life, which seems to be to hate those parts of sin that remain in our lives, those things that keep us from being oriented fully to God, those things that keep us from saying, take my life. I'm going to die and invite you to die to self. I'm going to invite you to give your gold and your silver, your everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, drinking, and walking around lives and offer them up. I'm going to ask you to do the risky and scary things and look so vastly different from the world. This is the grand theme of the Johannine Corpus, John's gospel, John's letters, and uh, his revelation, that uh, there is no room for lukewarm people in this new Jesus movement. There are either people who are evil or people who are filled with good, people who love their life or people who hate their life, people who follow in the Jesus way, or people who don't. In uh, John's letters, he's going to talk a lot about the Antichrist. And for all the Left Behind series and all the uh, grand apocalyptic things people like to turn into movies, this Antichrist seems to just really be about anything that is anti-Christ. Those things in our life that consume us and take hold of us, that make us uh, love our lives. Those things that separate us from the love of God, those things that keep us from saying, take my life. And his first letter says, that's a small little post-it note I put in there to, to get that page. Says, Don't love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Everything that is in the world, the craving for whatever the body feels, the craving for whatever the eyes see, and the arrogant pride in one's possessions, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And it's the world and its cravings that are passing away. But the person who does the will of God remains forever. In his revelation, he's going to write to seven churches, and he's going to find that some of them are just wicked churches. And some of them are churches that are doing good. And then there's the ones that are in the middle just holding on uh, in name only. 
for John the Revelator, St. John the Divine, John of the Gospels, there is no room for lukewarm. You either love the world or you hate the world. You love yourself or you hate the self. You either ask God's spirit and grace to transform you or you flee to the darkness. In the season of Lent, we're, we're called to, to penitence and reflection to examine uh, as Paul talks about in the, in the epistles, the gods of this age that we would worship or the things that keep us in our old self. We're in this season where we're invited to consider what it means to have our hearts transformed and to take on the new self. And we do this by looking to the one who goes to the cross, by looking towards uh, Jesus and his modeling of death and resurrection. In this season, we ask what it might look like for us to be like that grain of wheat or like that acorn to give up uh, one sense of self in order that something good might come forth uh, this morning in Sunday school we were talking about uh, Ephesians 5 1 through 14 this, this call for us to go and be light that shines in the midst of the world's darkness that literally illumines the evil in the world but what Paul presumes there is that we ourselves have entered into the light. That we have availed ourselves of God's grace. We have said, I am wholly yours and you are wholly mine. Pour out your grace upon me. And then we go and bring heaven to earth. We go and declare the year of the Lord's favor. We go and announce captives, you are set free. In Lent, we practice penitence. We practice preparation but we still look to Easter we still look to resurrection and ascension we still look to Pentecost and the spirit coming down on us and enabling us to do what that text says to die to self to rise to Christ to love him and love him wholly that's my prayer for you I've been with so many of you uh, virtually uh, and I've been around a few of you in person this week hearing your stories and experiencing life with you and, and you don't have to look around far to know that there's lots of brokenness around us. There's lots of darkness that needs light shown in it. There's lots of hurting people who need to see the hope of Christ in and through us. And there's lots of people who need Christ's miracles, who need us uh, giving up our lives and getting on our knees and interceding on their behalf and praying that God would do a mighty work that we can't even imagine. We have a group of people who need us to live out our congregational vows to surround them with a community of love and forgiveness. But all that's only possible if we have stepped into the light, if we have died to self and risen to Christ, if we have said uh, we hate our lives so much that we will give them up for you. It's our Lenten prayer. Take our lives and let it be consecrated all to thee, our Lord and our God, our Savior our counselor. Would you pray with me? Christ, your glorification uh, came by humbling yourself uh, to take the form of human to live and to suffer and to die. And at your ascension, you were raised the right hand of God the Father, where you sit and reign, where you intercede on our behalfs, 
and where you have both sent your spirit out upon us to, to enliven us, to live in the light, to, to do the hard work of dying to self, to help us take off the old self and put on the new, to flee from sin and run towards grace. Would you pour out your grace upon us in these very moments that we might be a holy people, a people who truly love you, a people who love our neighbors, a people who bring light into the world and who in and through us the world might see your face. We love you and praise you. It's in the name of Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.